friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the MC Lars podcast, the bi-weekly long-form podcast where I talk to fellow rappers, musicians, educators, DIY mavericks, and content creators about their creative processes and influences. Today is Monday, December 7th. This is episode 113, brought to you by the Patreon Larsians. If you want to support me on Patreon, just log into patreon.com slash mclars, and you can listen to my Lars Wars series, my Marvel songs. I've got over 100 songs on there, um, and if you subscribe... You get my back catalog. If you subscribe at certain levels, you get videos, behind-the-scenes essays, all sorts of flavor. It's really fun, and uh, I appreciate the Patreon supporters. So shout-out to the old ones, Joshua, Thomas, and Nick. Shout-out to the new ones, Tony, Sarah, and Belmura. We have a Four-Eyed Horseman show happening December 26th, and I'm playing First Night Monterey remotely with my bass player and my guitarist on New Year's Eve. So there's a lot going on this week. We have George Flahakis, who is the manager of Twisted. He runs Magic Ninja Entertainment, and he runs Astronomicon. And he talks about his foray into the music industry, working for Anybody Killer, who is an artist on Psychopathic Records, going on to work for Insane Clown Posse, booking The Gathering of the Juggalos. And there's been controversy because when Twisted left Psychopathic Records, there was an acrimonious split. And we don't get too into it. We talk a little bit about it on Hatchet Chat, my YouTube show. But it's this question of what happens when the mainstream wagon to which your brand is tied to starts to lose steam. You know, Twisted has said that one of the reasons why they left Psychopathic Records was one of their albums they didn't feel had a good enough distribution. And there was a lot of infighting and, you know, stuff that went on where people questioned the motives of a lot of behind the scenes, you know, stuff that goes on. I mean, hip hop is a very competitive genre and you don't always want to be in the shadow of the people who put you on. And so, but at the same time, loyalty is important. And so, you know, I try not to really take a side in any of this, but it's interesting to hear George's account of how he worked super hard with the opportunities he had through Psychopathic to launch Twisted and their label. And Magic Ninja Entertainment, that's a reference to a line from Big Money Hustlers, which was a movie Twisted was in um, ICP's first movie they made, and then they made a sequel. And Twisted and ICP did stuff for years, and it was kind of like a shock to a lot of the Juggalos when they split because, you know, people saw them as one big family. And then Magic Ninja signed a lot of the other artists from Psychopathic. And uh, anyway, but this, this week we talked to George about his experience his business acumen, everything he does for Jamie and Paul, who are the two dudes from Twisted. And we don't talk about this, but after this interview, Jamie uh, contracted COVID-19. So he's uh, been recovering, and it's just been a crazy year for the Juggalo community. It's been a crazy year for the whole world, but um, this was fun. So, George, thanks for being on the podcast. His parts were engineered by Fritz the Cat, who actually produced one of my favorite Twisted records, Mirror Mirror, and I got to... FaceTime with him as he set up the session. And then we had some audio problems that Fritz fixed. So shout out to Fritz. Thank you for doing that. Um, we're going to hear a song at the end from Twisted's new album, Revelation. It's called Hallelujah featuring Young Wicked. And uh, so that's what's up. So this is my interview with George Vlahakis on the MC Lars podcast. <laughs>
All right, friends, you are tuned to another exciting episode of the MC Lars podcast. I'm here with George Vlahakis of uh, Mad- Magic Ninja. You also run Astronomicon, amongst other things. What's up, George? How are you today? I am grateful that we're able to talk because um, I've known about you for a long time. We met officially at Warp Tour when you were out with Twisted. We, we've talked numerous times. I just, yeah, the first time I think we officially met, you're right, was Warp Tour. I wish I wish we could do 10 more Warp Tours. It was it was a lot of fun. It's I was talking to um my my bass player about how like this summer it would have been such a bummer to like be be booked on Warp Tour and if it were like canceled, right? Like it's such a crazy oh, thing yeah. that Warp Tour's done and now it couldn't even exist, right? It's insane. This has been a very very interesting year. Um but it, content wise, we're going to be pumping out a lot more than we had planned. Not being on the road in April and May like we had planned. Um, actually, the benefit, I guess, will be a, a ton more new music from everybody on MNE, um, including Twisted. So, do your artists record at the studio there or do they record remotely? So, most of it comes out of here, which is the dojo, which is. Um, in the MNE headquarters. And uh, right now, Boondocks is here recording his new album. Uh, Blaze just wrapped his, and it's in the mixing process now. Um, Twisted's here weekly, multiple times a week. And then when it comes to the out-of-state acts that, that don't want to come in, it's not that they don't want to come in, it's just right now things are very, very uh, weird in regards to flying and driving and all that fun stuff so all the other guys have home setups and and i'm perfectly fine with them staying home recording at home because it's a lot safer than commingling a bunch of -of out-of-state people here because who knows from point a to point b where you know where everybody's been because it's such a awkward and and weird time you guys are waiting you have no tours really announced yet huh you're waiting to see we we rescheduled the the spring tour for summer so we were supposed to be out all of april and then once covid hit me and our agent thought it would be wise to reschedule for the summer and then we realized we can't do summer either and then we were getting ready to reschedule a third time and i'm like listen let's just cancel it and, and, and wait this out because I have no idea. Nobody has any idea when we're going to be able to hit the road again. We want to keep the fans safe. We want to keep the artists safe, the crew. You know, I don't expect anybody to go on tour right now um, for any amount of money because it's like it's 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 to it, play a different club every night, be in a different city every night, hotels, all that stuff. It's just it's too much to ask, man. And I want to keep everybody safe. And, and the way I'm looking at it is, we're just able to pump out more content and concentrate on things that, that you know, where my mind would be on the road, being out on the road. Now I'm able to be home and concentrate on other aspects of the business a little harder. And we've just been pumping out new product and new music and and, and being able to plan things out um, with a little more thought. It's like, oh, we got to leave next week for tour. Oh, we got to leave this weekend. There's been none of that. So really there's been no interruptions and everybody's been able to work diligently and we're getting stuff done. So how many uh, releases does your label put out a year? 
Is there an average number? Average number, I would say when we first started, so we started the record label in 2014 officially. It was Twisted, Blaze, and ROC, um, 2012 and 13, ended 2012, all of 13. And then 2014, we created MNE. And at that point, our goal was like 12 releases a year. Let's get 2016 and 17, we were pumping out every month there'd be something. And at a certain point, I was like, well, let's you know pull back a little so everybody gets a little more time with marketing and promo. Or we can double people up, you know, and put out two releases on the same day, and that helps each artist. Like, for example, um, Generation Nightmare, which was Twisted's album last year, we doubled that up with Al Azul Alou's Church Azul. And it helped because we had a dual bundle where you can save money, buy them both, and, you know, offer different... Um, merch products and everything shipped on the same day so it was like double excitement for 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 one instead of rum release you had two releases and everybody was really excited about it so we we've tried different things throughout the years but i would say the average would probably be seven releases a year and this year we're on par we've let's think about this this year we have um we had mad season drop randomly which was twisted cd that was a surprise release um lexus party castle um we'll have boondocks and blaze this year young wicked's got his mixtape axe murder boys released fatality um lexus turning in his second ep to uh friday i was gonna say today but friday um, so that's seven right there, and then we've got um, Zool, Alizulu. They're dropping one, so we're we're scheduled to go back to when we first started, and 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 maybe have twelve or more releases. To be honest with you, thinking about it. Thanks, COVID. <laughs> right. Like, if there's a positive, at least we can. At least people have something to look forward to. I know concerts. It, it's it's not as exciting as seeing. Well, I'll take that back. A new album is exciting, just as exciting. But seeing seeing the guys and the artists in the flesh, being able to meet them at a meet and greet, like I understand there's two different levels of excitement there. The live aspect, which you don't get at all, and the CD aspect when an artist drops a new album. So I, I th- we're trying. We're trying to keep everybody happy, which is hard to do. And, and hopefully when shows come back, we're... You know, we're we're just gonna keep moving and and rock tours like like we did last year. So, George, when an artist signs with MNE, what is a typical deal like? Without getting into the specifics too much, do you like to sign artists for a few albums and develop them? Do you like to do one-offs? What what is your preferred way to do business with um, new artists? I, I we usually we usually cater the deal. Um, to the artist, meaning like we have four records that we want, ideally. But you know, if 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 it works out differently, if an artist is slower, we work with them. If they're quicker, I mean, we'll we'll go as as long as they want to go with us. You know what I mean? So um, the development side of things, uh, We've signed brand new artists like Lex the Hexmaster, and he's been here for, for, for a few years, and he's pumping out content left and right. Um, then we went ahead and, and started the, the sub-label, 
Welcome to the Underground, which we wanted to keep that separate from the label. And that gives me more time. And, and especially now with not being on tour, I can sign a band like Oh the Horror and work with them from the ground up. You know what I mean? And, and, and really get involved. So it depends on the situation. I mean, we've, we've developed artists from the ground up that nobody knows. We've signed artists like Boondocks and Blaze, who people are familiar with. Um, we're sort of all over the place, you know? Some of these artists, actually, I guess you could say a lot of the artists on Magic Ninja were ones you'd worked with and known previously. So that leads us to the next topic. Talk a little bit about how you met Jamie and Paul and how you got involved in the music industry and coming from the juggalo world. Like, what's that whole story? Because it's interesting. So that story, depending on how much time we have now. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, well... It all started back in middle school, high school for me. Not when I met Jamie and Paul, but as a fan, I met them then. But um, professionally, that wasn't until later on. But I managed uh, my best friend, AJ, who went by the na- who goes by the name of Ajax, and um, we went to school together. So sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, we're juggalos. We're hanging out in middle school, and he's like, hey, man, so I'm, I want to be a rapper. And I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. Like, let's let's figure it out. So I went to his house, and this is going way, way back. So call it sixth grade, taking the bus home to AJ's house, um, go to his house, and he's got a cassette player and, like, a little tykes mic hanging from the ceiling, and he's he's burning over, a, or he's dubbing over a copy of some cassette tape, and we're like, okay, let's try this. So I made the beats that day. He rapped, and it was god-awful. I mean, I realized that day, I'm like, you know what? Musically, maybe that's not your thing, George. And and finally got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to be your manager, man. So I ended up being AJ's manager. And from there, we went through high school. And once I graduated high school, I started getting into booking booking shows, local concerts, renting out VFW halls, um, renting out the local bar, Bullfrog Bar and Grill in Redford, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, all the, the owners and the, and the club promoters, I think they thought I was older than I was. I don't even know if they realized I was putting on, you know, 21 and up shows and I wasn't 21. You know, like it was just, it, I was just putting on these shows, booking my buddies and and, and, and doing it. And then it got to a point where um, AJ and my buddy Mike, who works with me now with Astronomicon and everything else, they had a good relationship with ABK. ABK and I met in 2006, and I decided I'm going to book ABK's concert um, at, at a local venue outside of Detroit. So I booked this show, and ABK was the biggest artist I had ever booked at that point. Everything else was on the local level. So I'm booking this national act at a place called the Modern Exchange in Southgate. And the front of this venue was like a thrift shop. And then you'd walk through this thrift shop, and there was a big open space with a stage. And they had professional production. I mean, it was crazy. It was like a, uh, you wouldn't even know it was there. So I book ABK that night. The show goes well, so well that he's like, hey, why don't you book my tour? And I'm thinking to myself, I've never booked a fucking show outside of 
like you know outside of Detroit, like the surrounding area. But I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what. I mean, I know what a map looks like, but distance wise, I'm like, uh, I'm thinking in my head. I'm thinking all these things, and out loud, I'm just like, yeah, oh, totally. I want, yeah, sure, I'll be. What, here. what year are we talking, George? In June of 2006. Okay, and. Instead of me like explaining it out loud, I thought all of these thoughts like you know I'm just thinking to myself like, "Ooh, that's it's a great opportunity," but I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. You know what I mean? But I I, I grabbed an old tour book um, that I had acquired, and and Mike had a couple of them. My buddy Mike and these tour books were like. Um, it happened to be a twisted tour book, funny enough. So this twisted tour book had a routed tour with promoter contacts. And I'm like, you know what? If I just look at this, I can call these promoters and book a tour. And I did. I, I booked ABK's Tour of Life, and that tour was June of 2007. That was my first official uh, national tour. And... I'll tell you what, looking at it now, it was routed poorly. <laughs> like, we we drove from New York uh, down to Virginia, back up to New York, back down to North right. Carolina. I mean, you know, it was, it was quite the tour, but I got my, I was getting my feet wet. You know, I was like, this is, this is interesting. I sort of like being a booking agent. So... I did the booking agent thing, and ABK was really cool. He he taught me a he, he taught me a lot. He he let Ajax come on tour with him, so it was like a best of both worlds. My boy that I was managing got the tour with ABK, and ABK allowed me to book his tour. So I got to meet these promoters and and learn the ropes and 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 you know do everything from run merch to advance the show to. To book the tour, I was I was doing you know wearing many hats on that run, and and I loved it because I, it taught me a lot. And then from there, I continued to book for him. And then um, a friend of mine, um, who who worked with Twisted, said, "Hey man, you know the Twisted guys really need some help, and they want to talk with you." And I'm like, "Okay, I'd love to." I mean, as a fan of their music, you know, I was honored. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like. Like Jamie and Paul want to talk. Like that's great. So I, I remember meeting them at uh, the Lotus Pod to have a discussion, and you know we just talked about some press stuff, uh, some tour props, just just some random business. You know that they they wanted somebody sort of to assist them with, and um, it it turned into like they were like, hey, you know, do you want to manage us? And and this was in two thousand nine. So we went from 2006 to 2009 now. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. And they were just rapping, I think, their Wicked album at the time. And um, we started talking about managing and what I do from tour manager to regular manager. And then um, Psychopathic Records um, actually offered me a job. So it, it it all sort of spawned into this, like okay, I can help everybody kind of situation, which which I didn't mind at all, um, and I had dealt with Psychopathic Records once in the past before they offered me the job, and that was to book um, a tour in two thousand eight called the Shock Therapy Tour. So they called me in. Actually, ABK got me that gig, and was like, hey, they need you to book a tour 
for everybody on the label except for ICP and Twisted. So it was it was Blaze, ABK, Boondocks, X Murder Boys, and I was like, okay. So that's where I got my like first initial introduction to inside of you know Psychopathic Records, and then after that tour, I was back to school. I was in college at the time, and then Twisted brought me in to say, hey, want to manage us? But instead of managing them at that time, I ended up acquiring you know this job at Psychopathic, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna help everybody, and then I booked that gathering of 2009 so that was the 10th annual gathering and i was in charge of booking all the acts another situation where i thought it out in my head a dozen times when i was asked i was honored you know what i mean but in my mind i'm like well, they want you to book ice cube they want you to book guar like holy shit like you know i'm just but out loud i'm like I'm down. I'm in. When do I start? What do I do? What's the budget? Blah, 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 right? And I got them Ice Cube, which was mind-blowing. Like, you know, it was a team effort behind the scenes, meaning like, you know, we had the work. I couldn't just throw numbers out there. It wasn't my company, you know what I mean? So uh, me and Bill, uh, you know, worked on it, and and Tom, who worked there at the time, and, you know, I, I acquired Ice Cube, which I was through the roof excited i'm like holy shit ice cube like the ice cube and i was so nervous until you know that day when he pulled up because i mean i booked him through a legit agent and everything but it's sort of surreal you know what i mean and i'm like until this guy shows up i'm sweating you know what i mean (laughs) and then when ice cube showed up i was like holy fuck i pulled it off this is crazy (laughs) That's what's up. Yeah, so that was like, I sort of jumped, you know, I didn't jump right in, but I jumped right into like that stature of, of artist. You know what I mean? I was like, holy shit. Um, but before all, like during all that, I was working at uh, with Live Nation locally um, on the street team. And I was like their juggalo guy. Like they were like, hey, Cottonmouth Kings are coming to town. Hey, Twisted's got a show. Uh, Clutch Cargo's in Pontiac. Hey, ICP's got Hollow Wicked. Or hey, Tech Nine's coming to town. And I'd be in charge of doing the route, booking the local group who's going to open the event and hitting all the record stores with flyers and posters and uh, sometimes selling tickets for them. Like basically whatever Live Nation needed me to do, I did. So, you know, I, I, I sort of like to say that I dabbled in all that because even though it wasn't a shitload of money in my pocket, I was like, all right, you're living at home with your parents, you're in college, you're, um, you know, you're young enough, I don't have a family, I don't have kids, so I'm thinking to myself, try to do it all just so you can sort of get a taste of all sides of this industry. I knew this is what I wanted to do, but I also, you know, wanted to make sure I touched on almost every, um, I guess, every kind of situation, whether it's booking agent, manager, promotions. Um, it just, just, I wanted to make sure I was well-versed, you could say, so I actually knew what I was doing to, to a point. You know what I mean? What did you major in, George? Um, business administration. Once I got, like I would take, I ended up, focusing on business administration and then I started taking classes willy-nilly to sort of learn like there was a music law class about copyrights and contracts I took that even though it had nothing to do with what I was majoring in I'm like 
take that class, take the marketing class, take the PR class. I just, at a certain point, just started taking classes to learn. And, um, right. You know, it's sort of crazy, but it's not because I was in a situation where I was like, I, I sort of need to know these things. You know what I mean? Um, and it helped. It helped. I mean, college helped for sure. But, but from there, I, uh, after that first gathering, then it was like, okay, well, that full-time job still existed at Psychopathic. So I had to yeah. make a decision because I'm like, I'm, I was legit in school. Then I'd leave the office early to catch a class or I'd come to the office later because I had a morning class. And Psychopathic was really cool and understanding like with the college thing, but it became a certain point where I had to choose. I'm like, do I keep? Like, what do I do? And and my my gut told me, stay at stay here and, and, and just learn. You know what I mean? And keep it going. So then I went on to right. do the 2010, 11, and 12 gathering. So I, I got four gatherings under my belt. And the first one was just booking it. And then the, the next few was everything. Like from the production to the staging to... Uh, booking all the bands to the porter potties to the insurance like every aspect of it I pretty much touched on and it was my responsibility to make sure everything was good it was a great learning experience and a huge cultural institution to like manage and like all the history of it right yeah yeah so there was I mean I, I looking back I'm like I guess the gatherings I put together with them. I mean, you know, ICP was very hands-on. Um, um, their manager, Bill, was very hands-on. Like, you know, it was a group effort planning, but when it came down to it, it's like if anything fucked up, it was. It felt like it was on me. So I had that pressure, but it wasn't a bad pressure because I sort of enjoyed it. I, I really did enjoy it. You know what I mean? It was, and 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 there were some good times and and a hell of a learning experience. Like I couldn't learn that in school <laughs> at all. Like that was, that was hands-on experience for sure. And I'm sure the insurance, like, like all the stuff you had, like logistics, the legal stuff, that was a whole thing, right? Because oh yeah, that festival's known to, I remember we played what, two years ago and the people shooting fireworks off in the crowd. I was like, wow, this is not warp tour. This no. is, this is different. And so being on both sides, like, Man, it's exciting, but it's also a wild. It's a wild thing. The rumors are true. It was. It was out of. I mean, I had gone as a fan every year except for I missed one at that point, which was the Peoria gathering. But I had, which was the third gathering. But as a fan, I had gone from the first one um, all the way through the one I booked, except for Peoria. Like I said, the third one was the only one I missed. So as a, you know, going in as a fan. It's mind blowing to then be in charge of the event. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, holy shit. I read Tom Dubb's book and he talks about the early years of Magic Ninja. So, at what point did you and Twisted were you like, okay, well, we're going to do our label and try this on our own? They did Magic Records with Tom. That was the, that was that. And that was, I want to say that was 2003, 2004 Green Book era. Um, okay. So I didn't know Tom at all. I never met that Tom. Like the Tom I worked for, it, you know, worked for and with at Psychopathic was a different Tom. Like I'd seen him as a fan, but like never worked with the guy. So um, they did that for a little bit. But um, Jamie and Paul and I 
our relationship was still going, you know, from psychopathic. I worked there. They were signed to the label. Everything was good. Um, in 2012, after that, that last gathering I put together, um, I had, had gotten a, it was a situation where I think they, they ended up, the conversation at Psychopathic at the time was, okay, we've got um, Jump Steady, which is Joe's brother, coming back into work. Um, he's going to be handling a lot of the stuff you're handling, but we still want you, you know, for the gathering. We still want to call you in to book tours and do this and that. But what is it, George, that you want to do? And I'm like, well, to be honest with you, I, Twisted constantly asked me to tour manage them. And and I would love to go out and tour manage a Twisted tour. And, you know, I can I can do that. And then when I get home, we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? So I knew in my head that, you know, I don't want to say my days were numbered at Psychopathic by any means, but there wasn't like a for sure full-time job there at that point. So I was like, I was like, okay, what you need to do is go with sort of what my gut was telling me, which was Jamie and Paul and I always got along. Always, there was never issues. You know, we'd shoot the shit and I just felt comfortable with them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm like, if they want me to tour manage them, I'm a fucking idiot if I don't. Like, this is a great opportunity. So, um, once I sort of realized after that uh, 2012 gathering, I'm like, well, if they're going to bring Jump Steady in, Rob, and, and he's sort of going to be doing what I'm doing, I think I need to do what my gut's telling me, which is let's let's go tour manage Jamie and Paul. And then that turned into Jamie and Paul saying, listen, why don't you manage us? And I'm like, I, I think that's a great idea. So I started managing Twisted and tour managing Twisted at the same time. And at that point, Abominations came out. And Abominations came out October 2012. And we were on the Abominations tour. And, you know, that's when everything sort of came into play. And we ended up leaving Psychopathic Records. And then in 2014, we had the discussion of a record label. Because, again, it was just Twisted when we first left. Then we added Blaze and ROC to the roster. But it was legit just Twisted LLC, like we didn't, we had the Skull Lungs logo and we hadn't thought about, we had thought about the record label side, but we didn't have a name, we didn't have an idea. And in 2014, with a lot of brainstorming and a list of 150 names or so, we kept checking trademarks, either they were taken or there was a story behind it. And we went through so many different names and ideas. And then I was like, you know, not me, Jamie, Paul, and I all together were like, you know, Magic Ninja Entertainment seems right. I mean, and and I'm glad we went with it because I think it's it's built into something pretty cool. And I'm, I'm really proud of it, as are the guys. And it's it's... It's amazing that we're able to do this on our own for so long. And I mean, when we when we started this partnership together, um, we legit, you know, started from the ground up. You know, you would think we we had a bunch of you know money tucked away to dump into it. Like legit, we started this from the ground up together, and mm -hmm. then moved into Magic Ninja. And now we're still in the Magic Ninja era era of things, and it's it's been it's been fucking great. It's been great. When I'm trying to get friends of mine who might not necessarily be 
Juggalo fans or Horrorcore fans, when I try to get them into Twisted, I show them the We Don't Die video and I show them the uh, Mutant X performance from the um, Freak Show DVD Yeah, at the one of the ga- gatherings. Those are so iconic of the era of like the early 2000s Horrorcore. So I guess my question is, when you guys left, how did you decide which of the old catalog you wanted to re-release on Magic Ninja? You know, we left with no catalog. Zero catalog. We created For the Fam Volume 2, which was a freebie that we gave away. So that was the, it was like a mix of new and old music. And then A New Nightmare came out, and that was the first offering. And that was technically, A New Nightmare is technically our first master that we own. From A New Nightmare, we started working on The Darkness. And then that's when the guys were in the middle of The Darkness, I want to say... We got a call to do another Dark Lotus record. And I was like, well, you know, that sounds great. And instead of taking a monetary buyout, we, you know, we, we did some trades. And I think throughout the years, we've, we've done good business together where um, Psychopathic Records and MNE were able to work out the deals. You know, I don't want to get into the deals, but I mean, they were pretty pretty good situations for both parties where it was like a trade you could say and we acquired some of the catalog so i'm i'm very happy with the outcome um abominations and wicked were acquired which were two very strong albums that jamie and paul you know absolutely loved and still love and then we we eventually uh, acquired mutant um and the green book so all those albums are are you know, Green Book is like an old school classic, you know, and, and Mutant, I saw a lot of potential with because it's very rock oriented. And with us doing Warp Tour, yeah. which which I didn't know we were doing Warp Tour when we acquired Mutant, but, you know, I had an idea that we were going to go down that rock lane a little more. So I was like, that's a great album to own because it's such an underrated Twisted album. It's a really good CD and, and, and it was Fritz and Twisted and they fucking nailed it and i think mm. it was one of those albums that was sort of like ahead of its time in the twisted catalog you know what i mean right now there's a lot of rock in, in twisted's catalog um a lot you know there's a mix of rock and rap but generation nightmare um really spawned a lot of a lot of that rock twisted from that mutant era you know what i mean with the new the young kids doing music like screamo trap and like the amalgamation of metal it's come around right yeah it really has and and i mean ahead of their time in many ways like the purple show was was a dvd but i mean before it was a dvd i remember as it being a young juggalo taking an hour to download an episode and watch it like while they were on the road they'd be uploading these um you know purple shows and and you know and i don't even think they were on the road i, don't, I just remember sitting there for an hour and downloading it on my computer and there was no youtube holy shit like they were doing youtube vlogs before youtube was a thing you know what i mean you know have you heard of this management thing called the peter principle have you heard of this theory you know i haven't no tell me about it so it basically it's this management idea that you rise to your highest level of incompetence. So it's like you're going to keep getting promoted and promoted and promoted until you're at a level where like your skill set does not meet what is required of you Mm -hmm. to grow the business. And here's your story where you show up for the gathering, you show up to help with the psychopathic roster, you help launch artists and start your own label. It's because you've had the energy and focus and desire to kind of manifest 
the Peter principle and prove that the limits, the only limits are kind of like as far as you want to take things. And so I think for the audience listening to our podcast, that's really inspiring because I think it's easy for indie artists to get discouraged, but it really comes to like having a good team, having a good vision and having being good to the fans. And I remember seeing you guys at Warped, like how long the line was and how Jamie and Paul met everyone. So what are some ways you guys try to keep the fans happy and try to like keep the juggalos aware of what you're doing, but in a way where it's also feels fresh and new, like how do they balance, you know, being there for the fans, but also like building and creating new experiences. Again, it goes back to yes, having a great team. So here in our office, we've got people doing what they're absolutely good at. You know what I mean? Which, which, which is great because with that team and Jamie and Paul's influence and and us just if 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 I forget um, something that's merchandise related, I've got Jason. To, you know, in my office that sort of catches me and says, no, we should do this because, you know, George, you're trying to create this merch product that is similar to one that we offered already that's quote unquote limited or this and that. Like, don't, you know, remember, George, you know, this is this is something that 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 we've done. Or I've got Mike who handles Astronomicon and, and Dustin who also helps him with Astro. And it's like, you know, we're all here to sort of catch each other and work together. Um my buddy James in the warehouse. It's like everybody's here doing it with a purpose and we're all here to sort of catch each other and work together. And, and Jamie and Paul are heavily involved in, in almost every aspect, but they also let us um, steer every once in a while. It's not like they're micromanaging us to a point where, you know, I got to get every little thing approved or if they have an idea, I'm not just shooting it down. Like we all work well together here to where, it's it's new and exciting every time. Like we've put out so many records, so many albums, but for some reason, every time I'm I'm excited thinking about new uh, pre-order products that we can partner with. It like today I was working on uh, Lex the Hexmaster's pre-order products, and I, I I I actually right before you called I approved this really kick-ass uh, sublimated jersey, and I'm like, it's just fun mm. every time. It's just, I don't know. I, I really don't know other than that the team here works so well and we all get each other, and like Jamie and Paul are so involved because they want to make sure that we don't turn into like super robot corporate kind of label where you sort of lose touch with the fans. Like we never want to lose touch with the fans. So whether it's them doing ashtrays and action figures or signing autographs at warp tour at the merch booth, or it's like, you got to remember, you got to remember that the, the interaction goes further than, than just, you know, a tweet. You know what I mean? Like I know now with COVID meet and greets aren't a thing, but hopefully Hopefully we get things turned around where they are a thing again, but there's so many different ways to interact now that I think a lot of artists sort of forget the the ways they interacted in the 90s or the early 2000s, and some of the artists weren't even around then, but Jamie and Paul observed. They were a part of meet and greets. They saw things, and they just they always come back and make sure that you know, if we're putting together a exclusive merch package or if we're going out on tour or, or offering and selling a VIP, they're like, 
we don't want to just charge money for our autographs. We don't want to just charge money for people to talk to us for a minute and then get rushed out. Like, you better make sure you got some solid merchandise products attached to that VIP, man, and make sure that we're not just doing here's a free pass, an 8x10, and a slap on the ass on the way out. Like, it's really those two that, that never really forgot where they came from and they're very appreciative of where they came from and they just take that and they've learned so much over the years that if i start getting uh you know an idea of of i guess a comfort zone of of a vip or a meet and greet or you know they, they sort of shake me out of it and they're like george like we're not we don't want to be so i guess i'm trying to think of the right word like where artists just end up being more robotic, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's not it's not as fun, and it's like, are they even enjoying it? Like, this is a really awkward meet and greet. Like, that, that that's just the worst feeling as a fan to to go through a meet and greet. You pay all this money, and I'm I'm going back to meet and greet because it's the best example I think to to sort of answer your question of like everybody does it, everybody does it, and at a certain point, it becomes so robotic and fake but we're not so robotic that we don't give a shit about the the fan. You know what I mean? You kind of appreciate the other side of it, right? And I'm sure like that they value that perspective. I would agree. Yeah. 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 Rather than, yeah, me knowing nothing. If I didn't know anything about the juggalo culture and didn't know the twisted history, like, sure. Like, you don't have to know all that to be a band's manager. But I do think it helps with the more personal side of things to connect with the customers and the fans and the juggalos and everybody like like i i know it because i lived it i was there as a 13 12 year old kid you know partying in the parking lot and and watching the show and running to the merch booth and looking at what they were offering and i know i have you know 500 bucks to spend and i just gotta burn it what do i want like i know that (laughs) feeling i know it and I, i still i haven't forgotten that and i think having you know, me being in charge of the company, but also having a great team around me, it just makes it, it makes it better. You know what I mean? And, and it makes us not forget about before we had MNE or, or, you know, Twisted Remember 15, 20 years ago. It's like, there's so many examples that, that we never really forget. And we just here to create new ideas and just, just try them, try them. What's the, nobody's the, like, like nobody's telling us what to do. We, we have full freedom. So the only person stopping us is us. So if we want to release three albums this year, who's stopping us? You know what I mean? If we want to experiment and do this or that, like the only people stopping us is us. So it's pretty cool to be able to work with, with some good people that, that actually get it. And we all have the same goal in mind, you know, and that goes for, for blaze and boondocks and young wicked and, 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 and everybody. It's like, we just, we work, we work very well together and we all get each other to that point where, where, where it's here and, and, and just still fun. It's actually fun. I enjoy coming to the office. Two of my favorite of the old twisted records are Fatso and chain smoker. The two, um, the two solo joints, do you think they'll ever do a solo records, the two guys? I don't know why they haven't, but I think it's it's possible. You know, we've discussed it briefly, but then it just gets, they get back into a twisted record, which which I'm fine with. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just prefer to work with each other than, than solo, but which is great after 20 
plus years, 25 years of being together, like, you know, they, they've only done one solo record each. I think that's pretty impressive and says a lot for the group as like a duo, you know what I mean? But, but I think yeah. they'll fuck around and do a solo record one of these days, but it could happen. When you guys are like brainstorming a record or A&Ring the record or figuring out what, what to go on it, do you guys kind of have meetings about the concepts or will they come to you and be like, okay, these are the, our songs. They're already written. Like, How involved are you with the product from the beginning? You know, it's all them. Those two come up with the concepts, the songs. Um, you know, occasionally... I'll chime in or, or if they ask somebody at the office, like, what do you think of this line? Or, you know, like they, they're those two do it all in the studio with, with Fritz. It's those three that, that, that are constantly recording something and, and, and barely ever is there a meeting about, okay, we need 12 songs and make sure you have your weed song and make sure you have this song. Like it's like, it's, it's those two, those two come up with it all on the music side and it's my job with an album to make sure we meet the deadline and stay on a schedule, uh, make sure the producers are, are in play and, and, and basically take whatever idea they have and start sketching out um, album covers and concepts and this and that. But, but then again, Jamie and Paul are very hands-on there too. Like, like they know what they want usually and and it's our job to take their ideas and 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 create it and 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 see where it goes so you know there there are plenty of meetings about you know album names and 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 maybe a couple songs here and there but but 95 percent of that creative process is those two in the studio i mean creating the convention the convention that twist has been talking about doing for it feels like 10 years, um, but working with them for almost eight years, it's like we brought up this convention numerous times and and it just wasn't the right time. And we finally just planned this thing for, um, you know, for February of every year. And it was like, wait a second, like we're able to put horror, comic books, toys, wrestling all in one event and then add Twisted to it. And it's just been great. So yeah, that pop culture aspect of them being toy collectors being comic collectors us like us being like me and the guys at the office we all collect different things it's like yeah we're able to i i guess i i see what you're saying with what you do and 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 and, and what other guys do in in the nerdcore world it's like even though you wouldn't really say it really is in the same family. It really is because we all enjoy, yeah. whether it be video games or it be collecting toys or comics. It's like it's all under the same umbrella. And, and I, you know, I'd love for you to come out to a uh, Astronomicon and check it out because it's it's sort of all over the place. It's all of our interests in one place. And I think I've realized that we share a lot of interests that the fans like. You know, it's all it's all. Um, similar and they throw their ideas and me and mike and dustin and and the whole team will throw their ideas and we'll we'll, we'll create this big list and we'll just go down that list and see who's available and um i mean mike mike was able to score alexa bliss through a friend um last year which was huge in the wrestling realm and 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 me with the horror side of things it's like we all just work together at whatever we're good at and whoever we're interested in and it all comes together to be one hodgepodge of of i guess 
pop culture madness. This is what I do for a living, and it's it's great. I love every bit of it. Who are some of the artists that have particularly surprised you with how well they've been received and grown in the years you've been working with them? You know, I would say, in a way, each one of them have brought something different, um, a different element. Um, and, and really, I'm really proud of uh, Lex the Hexmaster right now because he's he's he came up with a plan this year. And he's stuck to it, and he's pumping out more content than ever. And I was in that warehouse, uh, I was in our warehouse uh, last week just looking at the media, and I'm like, holy shit, like, since we've signed Lex, he's he's put out uh, three mixtapes, uh, an EP, two albums. I'm like, he's... He's done his part. Like he is, he is pumping it out. So you know, I'm really proud of him because he again was somebody that 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 you know I didn't know. I didn't know him personally. I didn't go back with him. We met for the first time ever when we signed him, and and actually Paul Paul discovered him and brought him to the table, and and Jamie and I loved the idea, and 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 seeing that 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 he's really pumping out content more than ever. I'm, I'm very proud of him, and. Um, I'd say on the sub-label side of things, working with the guys from Oh the Horror, um, it's only been a few months, but but they've produced more content than ever, and and a lot of it is is them producing it. Like they produced their whole album, they mixed their whole album. Um, they're already talking to me about their next release, so it's just nice to work with people that are that 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 are motivated and sort of help me um, provide me with the ammo. You know what I mean? That I need, you know, I'd say I'm proud of everybody that we've put out at magic ninja. There's, there's just something different about each artist and, 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 and it's a great feeling. And a lot of the, most of the guys on the label, I go way back with. So that's great too. Cause the relationships there and, and there's a friendship there as well. But the new guys that I didn't know, it's, you know, it's 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 also a great feeling because they're complete strangers at one point and you get to know them so well that it's like man i hope you know i hope they're i hope we're working together for a very long time because right now we've got a very solid team of artists and everybody's motivated something about this year i mean i'm sure it's the fucked up touring scenario but it's also Mm. brought out a lot of the creative juices i guess where people are very motivated to pump content out and and the last year that we had like content on a monthly basis was uh, 17, 2017. And like I said, the only reason why we dialed it back was to sort of give everybody their space. Making albums has gotten cheaper and making video content has gotten cheaper. So what you need to do, right, is do more and keep your brand consistent. And something cool that I've seen you grow with Screenwave and Paul Truitt is the YouTube channel. And that's the success we've had with Oh the Horror. I mean, their their first video broke 100,000 views in, in what felt like two weeks. And I'm like, holy shit, like just not being twisted, I was pretty impressed by that. And I think it's just a different, actually I know it's because it's a different kind of sound. It's more rock. But but Paul and the Screenway folks are helpful. My buddy James helps us with that too. He's good people. Um, it's like having the good and right people around you that are good at that. It's like I can't 
I, I can't pretend and say that I know every facet by like the back of my hand, but I know enough. And then what I don't know, it, those guys are there to help. You know what I mean? And it's great. And and, and ScreenWave actually has helped with Astronomicon as well because they do um, they do too many games as as you're I'm right. sure you're aware. Have you have you played that convention of theirs? Yeah, you know we were supposed to be on. Uh, we were going to be opening for Twisted at the one this year. Damn, that got. <laughs> so that was a bummer, but uh, yeah, I played it 2016. I think it's it's really cool. It's yeah, really it cool. seems like it, and I was looking forward to it this year, and, and then all this happened. So it's like, ah, I, I think uh, I think they'll actually. I'm pretty sure they'll they'll want to do it next year with us. You know, it's just it's just such a bummer because I know they work so hard on that event, and and yeah, man, to to keep having it be pushed back and put. It's like ah, what a headache! What a headache! I talked to Heather and she was saying that um, they're going to try to keep the same lineup next year if everyone's if it works with everyone's schedule. So that would be tight. Yeah, I'll make, you know, uh, I'll try my best to make it work because, I mean, right now we have nothing in the book, so I'll definitely make it work. <laughs> but but uh, I, I think it would be great because it's a different, um, even though it's a convention and we've played conventions before, but it's it's a different. Uh, it feels like it would have been a different vibe, but in a good way. You know what I mean? Just something something different with with new people that they may have a preconceived notion of who Twisted is, and they may walk out of there being, you know, holy shit, I actually like these guys. They're they're not they're not what I thought they were. We started talking on this episode about how you got your start working with ABK and booking tours. Like ABK definitely opened doors. Do you think he would ever want to join Magic Ninja? Like I'd love to work with him um, in that capacity. I, I just think he's he's focusing a lot on Native World, which is his brand, which is great. Yeah, and um, you know I, I think you'll see more collabos in the future with with our teams. He's he's on uh, Blaze's new record. Um, actually, being an artist on the label, I don't know. Like there's two sides of it. There's that side of you know, we've signed a lot of different talent from the past, and I think um, ABK is is perfectly fine doing it the way he's doing it. But but merging here and there, I think that's I think that's the answer. I think that'll excite more people, like Twisted and ABK doing doing a couple tracks together, or you know, hearing him on a Blaze album. It's like holy shit, that's a throwback. You know what I mean? Like it's just keeping keeping the teams working together is my main goal in that capacity but signing them to the label I don't know I don't I don't I don't I don't think so because I, I think ABK's got his own vision but but I still talk mm. to him on a regular basis and I mean things are good you know the relationship's good do you want to plug any social media or any new projects well I'm gonna plug every magic ninja outlet Magic Ninja Entertainment.com, MNEstore.com, and there's going to be a lot. You're going to want to keep your eyes on on both the social media channels and, and of course, Twisted's YouTube channel because we've got a lot of stuff coming up this year. A lot of surprises still. Um, I wish I could talk about some of them, but I, 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 don't, I can't. I can't, damn it. I expect uh, Lex's new EP um, probably at that point. We'll have announcement on his third EP, and uh, Blaze will be releasing an album, and uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of different stuff. Be Boondocks will have his album out. You know, I, yeah. I, I think we're gonna do some some live concerts online. We did Netfest a few months ago, and that went well. So, you know, taking the concept of Netfest, which was like a 
13 hour concert for free mm. on, on a random Saturday in May and and like scaling it to a point of maybe it's twisted with special guests like we're working on the digital side of how to keep things going I know it's not as exciting as seeing twisted in the flesh but we're gonna pump out a live concert by the end of the year, uh, maybe multiple live concerts with different artists and, and just music. Just expect a shitload of fucking music from us. And that's a promise. That's what's up. Well, keep, keep your ears open and keep following the artists. And uh, George, thank you for your time, man. This has been a great episode. Thank you so much.
Thank you, George. We will be back in two weeks on December 21st with Child's Play Ninja, who is a Juggalo YouTuber. We're returning to the bi-weekly format. Uh, I haven't talked publicly about this, but I'm starting a master's program in instructional science and technology. So it's a program I applied to through the Cal State system, wherein... I can be on tour and still do some of my classes online remotely and also show up on campus. And I've always wanted to do my master's in something with education and media. So I got into this program, but that means I have less time to do interviews and edit these podcasts. It's all good. The podcasts that are coming out every other week are going to be twice as fresh. So don't trip. But uh, I just wanted to give you all a heads up. If you're looking for the episode Monday, it is going to be out a week from Monday. And then on the alternating weeks, MC Snacks and I are still doing the Hatchet Chats. We are dropping our episode a week from Wednesday with a special guest, Vinny the ICP Kid from Shockumentary. So check that flavor out. My Fallen Order song is coming out on the Patreon. That's what's up. And uh, I hope you all doing well. Thinking about you soon. Happy early holidays. Be sure to cop your tickets for the Boxing Day show, the New Year's Eve show. It's all good. I love y'all. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Peace.